Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this latest rendition of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Now, on to the science fiction. I would like to give a quick thanks to our tier 5 channel members and patrons. Fallen Angel Buzz Killington Thank you again. Now on to the story. Story number one. Root Force. Written by Fly Me to the Memes. Now, both species use slice drives. They work by neatly opening a hole in the universe and slipping through. This takes a moderate amount of energy, but is limited by the fact that slicing far enough effectively breaches the universe, exposing it to a whole other dimension. Normally, our universe does not like this, and says so rather destructively. The first incident was cleared by a lot of antimatter bombs and one unlucky vanilla conscript. After small jumps were usually performed in quick succession, that being unhealthy for life forms inside. Most people never left their home cluster. Traveling to another dimension really messed up your, well, everything. You see, when one is slicing, they gain a type of momentum from the dimension, enabling them to slice easier. When you stop, that wonderful nth dimensional energy is lost, and drive charge times are abysmal. So it is never practical for long-range trips. Terrans were hoped to be more of the same, but people were still shaky after the drinking ethanol incident, so nobody really thought that their hopes would be up from par with reality. When the delegation returned with the Terran ambassador, they noticed something wrong with the ship. When they sliced in, the Terran ship didn't appear out in the uncomprehensible hole on the universe, but rather they noticed space itself seemed on edge and the ship appeared out of nowhere. When asked by the Jankar and the Aurelian delegates, the Terran science team, sent along to receive the tech of the Oran, who was supposedly giving them, said something that worried the whole assembly. Well, uh, by bending the fabric of the universe, we can move faster than light without breaking the laws of the universe. Don't you all do that? Instead of doing the same thing by slicing, they bent the universe to their will. The Galactic Assembly were shocked and they had expanded far faster due to the lack of needing to stop every false jump. And they had never had to deal with the Eldritch Horror from another universe. Sometimes the force of a hammer is better than the precision of a scalpel. End of story. Story number two. With apologies to Mr. Carroll, written by T. Marcos. Us baby stupid, Vekek muttered trying to step quietly over the broken concrete. We're probably stupid. Katet snorted, cuffing his brother roughly on the shoulder. What stupid is talking while you're trying to sneak up on a human? Come on, he already knows we're here. Vekak rolled all three eyes back at Vitekt, pausing in his unstealthy approach. This is just for, um, I don't know, appearances? That sort of thing matters to them. Cadet hit him harder. Focus! 
he snarled. Stick to the plan. You do remember the plan, right? I am the one who made the squelching plan, idiot brother. Bukak sighed. Listen, humans are dangerous. Obviously, Katet said dryly. Bukak continued without acknowledging the comment. Why are they so dangerous? Because they got handed instant fabricated tech, hooked their language into it, everything went squelching sideways. They had too many words for things, too many nuances. Their culture was weirdly familiar with spoken invocations for stuff. He finished as he pocketed and held up a small grey box, waggling it in his brother's face. We get close, then remove the advantage. That's it, that's the plan. They've been dominant for too long. This will change everything. Ketet made an irritated noise and jerked his head towards the massive stone tower, standing in the ruins before them. We're here, he said, since we're apparently expected. Do you want to just walk right in? He won't be expecting this, Bekek smirked, squaring his shoulders and walked confidently into the dark. The stone corridor stretched high overhead, fading into the misty background. But in the distance, there was a flickery light. Fire. Primitive, but the whole aesthetic of the building was downright odd. Torches flared to life in brackets and set along the wall, casting dancing shadows that did strange things to Vakak's peripheral vision. Suddenly, a booming voice echoed down the hall. Intruders! It bellowed. Come to face the wrath of the mighty Kevin! And, uh, then, face your doom! Um, Katat gulped. Vakak hissed. Come on! The two walked the rest of the way into the main hall, finding a huge space that was decidedly larger than the outside of the tower. In fact, the room could have comfortably held a few of the towers. But, whatever. Humans were strange. They saw him in the next moment, sitting in a golden throne in the center of the hall. Kevin the Terrible. He was a pallid, horrible thing with a swath of dark hair on top of his head. He was wearing a loose white shirt that left his lower arms bare, as well as a pair of rather ragged trousers that faded between different shades of blue. As they watched, his appendages reached into some manner of crinkling bag to snatch a morsel of food, which crunched as it disappeared into his gnashing teeth. His skin was stained a golden yellow with residue from his feast and the bag adorned with spotted demon in the same colors. Despair, human, Bekek called, sticking to the script all the research said the human preferred. Your mastery of this land is at an end. Kevin laughed, tossing his bag of food carelessly aside. We shall see, beauty bottle, he said. Lightning bolt. A jagged spark of electricity ripped through the air between them. But almost before Kevin had finished speaking, the grey box in Vakek's hand thundered out its own response. Lightning Rod! The voice was identical to Kevin in every way, and the spark grounded out and a quivering rod of metal that had not been there a moment ago. Kevin sat wide-eyed. Well, that's fucking neat, 
he said, looking at interest in the slim device in Vakek's hand. He pulled out a really good voice sample from just my interest speech, and it does intelligent counters. Indeed, foul Kevin, Vakek gloated. It is capable of fully comprehending and reversing your perversions on the fabricated device. Neat, Kevin repeated. So, uh, if I say, fireball? A gout of flame raced towards them, but the box summoned a wall of stone to intercept it. Artificial voice cool and measured. Kevin tried a blade. It summoned a shield. He called a rain of acid, but they were sheltered under a glossy umbrella. Finally, Kevin slouched back in his chair and extended his hand. Jeez, Puffs, he said, catching the bag as it dropped into his grasp. Moist towelettes invoked the box, dropping a small packet of the same onto Cadet's head. He grabbed it, blinking, while Kevin tore open the snack with a chuckle. That really is a neat trick, Kevin said, but you guys forgot something important. Oh, the keck retorted, and what is that? Kevin blinked, okay, two things. First, never give the villain a setup like that. He tossed aside the second bag and steepled orange-stained fingers. Secondly, language is subjective. Relative. Vakek shifted uncertainly. Yes, to a point, he conceded, but there must be some standard unit of meaning, or it ceases to have any point whatsoever. Is that so? Kevin asked nonchalantly. See, this is why you guys keep getting your ass kicked. No imagination. We're doing it all right so far, Cadet spat back. Now we challenge you for this tower and contest your frivolous use of this fabricator. Kevin looked around, unconcerned. Okay, he said. You guys are fun, so I'll put you back together when we're done. But I've got to kick your rear for trying, you know. Vakek brandished the box while Vitek leveled the slim carbine at the human. You're powerless, he scoffed. Anything you do, we will return against you. Kevin smiled. Twas Brillock, he said, and the slithy toes did gyre the gimbal and the wabe. A low mist began to fill the hall, the lights dimming around them. The box was silent. Vakek looked at it, and then at Vakek's panicked face. Why isn't it working? Katek asked. Old Mimsy with the Perigroves. Kevin continued, sinking into the mist. Cadet shot a burst of fire where he'd been, but only the whine of bullets echoed back. Kevin's voice spoke again, echoing from everywhere in the room. And the Momraths outgrabe. They're not words, the kick mumbled. I don't know what he's saying. It doesn't know what he's saying. It shouldn't mean anything. But it does. Kevin's voice replied, sending a ripple of cheese dust over the mist. We wear the Jabberwock, my son. The jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Something went whiffling through the tulgy wood that had grown up around them. Something big. It barbled. Well, squelch, Batek muttered. Then that something went snick-a-snack, and both brothers were gone. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope 
that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.